Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm here with Elliot, and we're going to talk about his ministry, uh, essentially the men's ministry that's available to clinics across the country because it's virtual. And we're going to talk about his story, his story that involves uh, some dark things with his fiance. Um, ex-fiance. Ex-fiance. Okay. And we're also going to talk about um, how that's led him to, to work on creating a ministry to, uh, to answer uh, and how God's led him into this men's ministry work. Elliot, I am glad to have you on the podcast. Um, I'm excited to sh you know hear your story and to be able to ask you some questions about it and um, essentially provide our executive directors with the opportunity to hear your story, which is unique. Give a unique testimony and experience. Um, would you, before we get started, would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a group of executive directors? Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Elliot Cohn. I'm the president and co-founder of Expectant Fathers Without Voices, and our organization exists to protect and actually invest in the rights which currently don't exist, but the rights of the expectant father from conception until birth and then obviously beyond. That's that's our main objective. Yeah, and I'm excited actually, um, well, let's go ahead and let's talk about it for a moment here. Sure. Um, your, your, your new ministry, how new is it? How um, we found it in November of 2019. Okay, so relatively new. Yeah, still. it's pretty new. Yeah. Uh, and so with your ministry, um, Essentially, you can provide possibly remote counseling to a pregnancy clinic who may not have a men's program. Absolutely. By providing um, counseling um, by non-licensed counselors, right? But you right. know, but you know, uh, so maybe you know, life coaching. I guess maybe a better term. Well, we do. We actually do have a licensed clinical therapist on staff. Oh. Uh, but but okay. we only have one. Okay. Um, so we don't have a staff of therapists, but we do have a yeah, licensed but, clinical okay. therapist on staff. So, but um, you know, but a lot of times I will engage with the people directly, and I'm you know, so I always have to announce ahead of time that you know I have experience in this you know life issue. Okay. Um, but I am not a licensed clinical therapist. And I think what's interesting though is that you can provide this um, this service of talking to. To the to the man in this mm -hmm. pregnancy, yes, sir. Um, remotely via phone, mm -hmm. uh, text, or essentially without having to be in the county, yeah, you can provide this to someone. <laughs> so if there's someone listening or watching, and you <laughs> don't have a men's program, you can talk to Elliot about having him provide this service remotely, um, and. Yeah, so anyways, I would encourage you to consider that because that would be a way for him to expand his ability to reach his mission and for you to reach your mission. So it seems like a really helpful idea for those who don't have an active men's program. Absolutely, um, and we would love to stand in the gap and fill that fill that void. And it is definitely missing at many pregnancy care centers. Um, and sometimes- I would say about, 20 to 30 percent seem to have a men's program and some of those aren't necessarily in a healthy position because men's programs don't always just flourish they they sometimes start up and then have some trip difficulties um, but i think majority of 
pregnancy clinics don't have a, an active strong men's program, and so I think there's definitely room. Yeah, uh, it may not may not be yet, you know for not trying. It's just simply they it doesn't seem to have standing power, and there's a there's a room there's room for that to to be improved. Generally speaking, not just sure. everyone doesn't have a good men, a men's program, but many don't. Seems like that's, that's true, um, and. I mean, I've seen I've seen some incredible men's programs. Um, like, for instance, there was uh, there's I met a gentleman um, who works with an organization called Rookie Dads, and they do go into pregnancy care centers and they provide very good counseling to the men that are there. Other than Rookie Dads in the state of Florida, I don't know of any actual organization that's affiliated and that actually reaches out to the pregnancy care centers. So Expectant Fathers Without Voices or EFWV as we call it for short because that's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> um, but um, Expectant Fathers Without yeah. Voices, EFWV, we would love to reach as many people as possible and help as many people as possible and preserve families. So one of our main mottos is um, keeping the family together. Uh, we, we need the nuclear family to stay together and in order to do that first there has to be a family that we need so basically um what we've done so far through the people that we've reached is that we've sorry man no it's uh, okay take your time okay. okay it's an authentic podcast so okay. if you have trouble figuring out what to say well I, there's what, so much that i want to say so i'm just going to slow down um so well, let me, so I don't want to go too. Um, we actually might want to. We will come back to it because, it, you know, essentially, expectant fathers yep. without voices without voices yep. is a way to provide help to a father who. <laughs> my phone's ringing. Oh, about authentic. That's, that's okay. <laughs> it's gonna. It might be the. Oh, it's KVOA. Well, I'm gonna call him back afterwards. Okay. I'm turn off my phone. And I can edit this part out. That's if, or I'll leave it in and people get to hear this. But <laughs> one of the others is going to happen. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, um, okay. So it's been a long day here at the. It has been a the, long day at the conference. But yeah. So expecting fathers is a um, without voices is a way for for men to be encouraged to support. Yes. And like one of the questions that you had brought up before was. Asking the man, would you like right. to abort yeah. well, see, your child? Yes. I think that was the question you said. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, and the way that came about was um, on social media, ironically, women were, you know, found us and were reaching out. Um, I expected, you know, men to be the ones reaching out. And there were men reaching out, but um, where we have actually seen the most success and where we've seen um, the hand of God work in such a way that is um, very powerful um, is we've had pregnant women that saw our organization, let's say on Facebook, and just seeing the name have re reached out to us and said, hey, um, I'm on the fence and I'm thinking about having an abortion. I don't really want to have an abortion, but I also don't want to go through you know, a pregnancy and be a single mom. And I feel like, like the father of my child and, and these are single people, well, not single people, boyfriend, girlfriends, yeah. and also, and also married couples have all, this has also happened with. Um, but it, the women have reached out and expressed concern that their 
the, the father of the child wasn't interested in pursuing the pregnancy or being a dad. Um, and they asked, would, would we reach out to them um, so that he didn't end up being wounded like what they read about on our website? Um, I myself um, am, I suffered two abortions. Uh, I call them forced abortions because when you're a man, you have zero rights, zero under the law, even after marriage, zero rights. So even, even when you're married, you, your wife can have an abortion without even consulting you. Um, so this might be a good time to go ahead and share that story. Yeah. So, um, so, um, we had, we had a lot of women reach out to us and it was always the same story. They were always on the fence and they wanted us to reach out to the men. And so in the, in the first time this happened, it was, I was kind of surprised and I took it on myself and I said, you know, I replied to the young lady who sent us a message and I said, would you be okay speaking on the phone? And she said, yes, she called and put me in touch with the father of her child. And I called him up and I said, hi, this is Elliot Cohn. I'm calling you from Expectant Fathers Without Voices. Your girlfriend asked me to speak with you. And the gentleman was, you know, very surprised, I guess we could say to hear from me. It was like, kind of like, what do you want? Rather gruff. And I said, well, I'm calling you for one specific reason. Um, she reached out to our, our organization because she's concerned that you are not interested in being a father. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you one direct question. Do you want your child to be aborted? And the man said, absolutely not. He was very fervent in that. And I could hear it in his voice and he got really loud. He's like, absolutely not. He was like, why would you even say that? He's like, I'm praying that she chooses life. And I said, well, unfortunately, sir, you have fallen prey to a lie from the abortion industry, which is that men should tell their pregnant partner, whether it's a girlfriend or even their wife, yeah. I'll support you whatever you choose when pregnancy is now. So when yeah. you say I'll support you whatever you choose, whatever you choose, you're basically now turning the child into a choice and you're saying, well, and I don't really care whether you have it or not. Either way, I'm good. Or and whatever so you it puts choose. All, it puts all the, yeah, the pressure back on the woman. like abortion. Yeah. yeah because yeah. of pro-choice. Yeah. It sounds like In a way, it's almost suggesting abortion. It, suggests, you know? it feels like it is suggesting it yeah. to me, I think. Yeah. And, but for, unfortunately, for, gosh, almost five decades now, we've been having generations of men get pounded with this. Well, if you really love her and you really care about her, then you so will support, of, you'll support her whatever she chooses because yeah. this is her body and it's her decision and so on and so forth yeah, which, no, which, no which are all just no lies choice. they're just or lies no, yeah. yeah they're just they're just evil lies from the satanic abortion industry to be honest yeah um that's really what that's all about um it's so, it's, it's a way to divide men and women yeah so that we, makes a lot of know, sense and so just just by asking a direct question do you want your child to be aborted the answer is no so okay hang up with me and call your girlfriend or call your wife right now and tell her what you just told me because that's all she needs to hear and you're going to be a dad and you are you already are a dad yeah because sometimes the response is well i'm not sure if i'm ready to be a father and yeah. the way we answer that is well you know um you already are a father you just have to decide now would you rather be the father of a living child or a not living child yeah. And the answer is always, well, I'd rather be the father of a living child. Um, and 
by just correcting the, that narrative that's been unfortunately so steeped and settled in to most of our society, even a lot of people that go to church and call themselves Christians and, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I think the numbers are what, one in four women in America have had an abortion. I mean, that's huge. That's, that's, yeah. And so we're looking to balance that out. And so we've been able to actually preserve seven families that we know of so far since we found it. Um, and that means that the child was, is alive and the mother and father are together. Um, so that's, that's been a tremendous, um, boost, awesome. tremendous success. Yeah. Um, and I wish it was 7,000 or 7 million, but we have to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, every, yeah. Every, one life at a time. I mean, that's, that's where we're at, uh, when it comes to one of my favorite quotes from the last podcast, which I think it was Jarrell or Peggy Hartshorn said was the best, um, the best response to like, to help someone not choose abortion is another person. And I think you're, oh, wow. yeah. you know, you're living that example <laughs> of being that, and, and really that other person more so than you or me is really the dad in the situation, the father. Most times it is, yeah. That That's the other person that has a very influential voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but we've been trained that we're not supposed to use that voice, you know? Um, so when we get, well, yeah. When we get into a situation like that, we just remind those men that, listen, this is your child and you do have a choice as to how you respond. So right now, while we are working, um, I guess you could say behind the scenes um, on legislation that will hopefully grant equal parental rights from conception until birth and then obviously beyond. Um, but just to fill in that gap, because right now, you know, as soon as a child is born, you're a father. And 20 minutes before the child, you know, is born, even while your wife's in labor, you're not considered a father, you know? Um, and that's just ridiculous. And we have to change that narrative. We, you're a father from the moment of conception. And we know this scientifically, you know? Um, it's, it's not up for debate, it's a fact. It's been proven. That is a unique human being from the moment of conception, separate and apart from the, from the mother or the father, they have their own unique DNA. Everything for the you know that it is going to be what they become is yeah. already there, you know. <coughs> um, so yeah, so just just yeah. by kind of reinforcing that that basic knowledge, we've been able to um, help correct that narrative. So let's go back. Let's go to your story. Okay. Of, so um, so set up set up the uh, the backstory. I guess so. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so you were okay. so, you had you had a fiance. Yes, in two thousand five. Okay, so all the way back in two thousand five. Yeah, um, I was engaged to a lovely, lovely lady, um, and we were very happy, or so we thought. Um, and she came to me and she said, "Hey, um, you know, how do you feel about children?" Um, and we had we had the talk about you know do well she already knew that i wanted children but she was like would you like to get started on that now because i'm 27 and you know like let's basically she came to me and said i'd like to have a baby like let's have a baby and i was overjoyed at this news and so i said okay now 
one thing I need to say for the for the people in the faith community that would be listening to this uh, at the time I was not saved yet um, so I was technically I mean I was living in sin um, and maybe that would have prevented the situation from happening maybe not you never know because um, like I said this does affect married couples quite a bit as well um, that being said when she asked me that it it made me feel so special and so wonderful. It's like, wow, you know, she loves me so much. And I mean, I already knew that because she, we, we were getting married and we, you know, everything was wonderful. So we try for a child, we're successful. Um, we find out the sex of the child. We announce it, you know, um, our, you know, my family was thrilled from what I could tell. Her family was thrilled. Um, they lived in another state very far away, but um, you know, she said they were happy. Uh, her, her parents were happy about the news and um, my parents were thrilled at the time my grandparents were alive and they were super excited my brother was everybody was so happy I think you said it was you found that it was gonna be a boy yeah, is that no, right no or? actually this was yeah it was gonna be a girl a girl uh, yeah, okay. yeah a girl little girl and you're thinking uh, about names already name, yeah yeah okay. yeah her, her name's Sarah okay. um, but unfortunately Sarah is in heaven um, so the way she got to be in heaven was my wife, or excuse me, my fiance. Yeah. Um, well, she well, she told you something, yeah. you know, that was a sorry. lie, right? So we were yeah. go there first. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We should back up. <laughs> sorry. We yeah. might have to edit this. No, or no, something, that's, but, we'll just keep it uh, authentic. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. So she, she says to me, um, that she had, a miscarriage. miscarriage, yeah. And I was, I was just devastated, you know. Um, she said, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I, you know, I lost, I lost the baby." Mm. And I was, I was crushed. I was sad, but at the same time, I was trying, I was, you know, being strong for her. But she seemed fine, which was a little odd. But I thought, well, it's a coping mechanism, maybe. Like she's just got it in a box somewhere, you know, and she's not ready to deal with it yet. So I suggested that we go to counseling. Okay. Um, and. She did go with me to one counseling, um, you know, session, and she was hesitant. I mean, I kind of had to drag her to it, but she, she she went, and as soon as we left, she said, "I'm never going back. You know, I don't need this. I don't need this. I'm totally fine." You know, and I said, "Well, I'm still going to go because I'm grieving. You know, um, and I'm not going to. I'm not making any judgment on you, but I don't. I don't understand how you're so okay. You know, with all of this, um, and." And she said, well, you know, I guess everybody copes differently. And so I accepted that. And we kind of, you know, over the next few months, life kind of sort of got back to normal as much as it could. And I was even talking about trying for another one, you know, and she was like, let's wait, you know, let's just wait on that, you know? And I was like, okay. And I thought, you know what? It's probably better that we wait till we're married and such, you know? So, you know, I don't know. I was telling myself all kinds of things just to try to cope. I'm like, maybe God didn't want us to have the child until we were married or this or that, you know, because mm -hmm. like, why, why was, you know, because she was healthy and there was no history in her family of miscarriages and things like that. Like, so I was just wondering, like, how did this happen? You know? So anyways, um, I get a phone call about three to four months in to coping. Yeah. And it was from the young lady who had originally introduced us to each other several years before. And she said to me, Elliot, I have some very difficult news to tell you and, you know, prepare yourself because this is not going to be an easy phone call. So, um, 
are you sitting down? I said, no, I'm not sitting down, but it doesn't matter. You're scaring the crap out of me. Tell me what you had to tell me. And she says, well, the miscarriage that you've been grieving, um, in fact, was not a miscarriage. It was an abortion. And I was kind of in shock. And I just kind of was on the phone silent. And she's like, are you there? I said, yeah, I'm here. I'm just like, I don't, I don't believe you. You know, like, I, I think like, why would you say that? Like, why, why would you say such a thing? Like, you, you already know I'm struggling. She says, Elliot, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth about what happened. I was sworn to girl code to not tell you, but I can't sit there and watch you grieve like this. She's like, you're, I'm watching my friend walk around broken and I'm watching my other friend who that at that point they were no longer friends because they had had a huge argument, but she's like, I was watching my other friend, you know, have no problem with this. And I said, okay, so, you know, how, like, how did this all come about? Like, you know, like, why did she do it? What, did she tell you why? And she says, okay, well, this is what I really called to talk to you about. Um, and this is why I said it was going to be really hard. And I said, okay, well, just, you know, tell me. And she says, your child was selected through a Wiccan satanic um, uh, I guess you could call it a selective process, um, you know, and um, basically to be aborted, to be sacrificed, mm. um, to somehow empower her. And I said, wait, what are you talking about? And she says, okay, I'll start at the beginning. She says, I was raised in a faith-based home. I was raised, you know, we went to church. I was, I believed in God and I got into my teens and I rebelled and then that spilled over into my twenties and I was still rebelling. My parents were, you know, bothering me and wanting me to come back to church and all my church family and friends wanted me to come back to church. But I was in this rebellious mode is what she said. And when I say she, again, I'm referring to the young lady who introduced me to my fiance, who's talking to me on the phone. Okay. And, and she says, because I'm using a lot of pronouns here. So I just sure. want to clarify all that. that makes so, sense. so, um, she proceeded to inform me that while the abortion was taking place, they were having a Wiccan, a, a, a coven meeting and they were sitting in a circle chanting, I draw power, from his pain. I draw power from his pain. While the abortion was taking place? Yes. Oh. And while this young lady who had introduced me to my fiance, while she was sitting there taking part in this coven meeting, um, she felt God speak to her and say, you know, get up. You know what's right. This is wrong. Get up. And she got up and she left and she was repentant. Uh, and after she had gone to her path, that's why it took a few months because she had to go through this whole process. Um, but she she was repentant. She went to her old church. She got accepted back into her old church, talked to her pastor, so on and so forth, and kind of worked things out in her own mind and got to a place where she was like, okay, I, now I need to tell Elliot this really difficult news. Um, so that's the only reason why I know what really happened. So. Um, I didn't want to believe it, but 
she was very convincing on the phone. But in the back of my mind, I was still praying that this was she, this was just some horrible prank, or she was just you know devious, or you know I was telling myself all kinds of things. I'm like maybe she had a secret crush on me and she's trying to break us up and or whatever. You know I was just coming up with all kinds of crazy ideas, just trying to cope um, with hearing that because I'm um, I was just I mean. How do you react when somebody tells yeah, you, I mean, like, you know, well, yeah, make, try to find a witchcraft, way Satanism, you know, I'm like, okay, this sounds a little over the top. This sounds a little hard to believe. I, I know my fiance, she would never do something like that. Um, well, it turns out I was completely wrong and she was a hundred percent right. And the way I found that out was, you know, my fiance got home a little while after that phone call. And I said, Hey honey, how was your day? And she said, yeah, just another day. And I was like, okay, well, I just talked to, and I'm not gonna say her name, but I said, you know, I just talked to our, yeah. our, our mutual friend. And um, she said that you guys had quite the argument. And she told me that the reason for your guys' argument and for the falling out of your friendship was the fact that you had been lying to me about the miscarriage. And then in fact, it was an abortion. And not only an abortion, but an abortion for reasons of witchcraft and you know satan worship um so that's that was a tough pill for me to swallow and i'm trying to believe that's not true so just tell me it's not true and she said it's not true <laughs> but it but i knew she was lying it just she just said it's not true and she just went about her business as just cold as ice oh man and i just i said well that doesn't sound very convincing and she turned around and just started yelling at me. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? And she just snapped and just started yelling and screaming. And she was like, she should have never called you. She should, she was cursing our friend and calling her a liar, and saying all these awful things. And, you know, totally out of character for her. I'd never seen her like, like that. I mean, I'd seen her get mad about things. You know, we had had disagreements, but she, you know, we never yelled at each other. We never, you know, it was never like that. Mm -hmm. And she just went into this fit of rage and, it was kind of scary to be honest, but I walked over because I felt, I felt a heaviness all in the house, in the room. Okay. We were in the living room of, of the house that we, we owned together at the time. So I walked over and I said, you know, once she started to kind of get like out of breath from all of her ranting, I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm like, going, okay, okay. And I'm just kind of waiting for my spot, you know? And I, I walked up to her and I just kind of gently, took her by her shoulder, her shoulders, put my hands on her shoulders. Yeah. And I just kind of drew her close to me and I put my forehead on her forehead and I was practically whispering. And I just said, I said, I said, honey, I need you to just tell me the truth. I said, whatever it is, I said, I love you. I said, whatever it is, we will get through it. Mm. But just tell me the truth. I said, if you've been mixed up in this crazy stuff, like we will get you out of it. We'll get you okay. We'll get you counseling. We'll do whatever. Um, I love you. Just, just please tell me the truth. I need to know. And when I said I need to know, I opened my eyes and I looked up at her and she opened her eyes, but her eyes looked different. Now it wasn't different like a, like a horror movie or something like that. It wasn't like a special effects thing. They just looked cloudy. Like she had cataracts or something. Um, she had big, beautiful blue eyes and they were just glossed over, just cloudy looking. Um, and one of the things that I always just 
found so lovely about her was her smile, um, which would always it, always, it broke from right to left. But in this particular instance, it broke from left to right. So with this crooked smile and these glossy eyes, she took, you know, like I said, you know, we were here like this and she pushed me back and she took several steps back herself. And she then very loudly and proudly proclaimed that, well, I won't say what she said. But she said, you're, you're GD, right? I had an MF and abortion um, and I would do it again. And she was, and she was acting proud of it. And I looked at her and I said, who are you? Who are you? Where is my fiance? Where is my beloved fiance? Where have you gone? Who is this person? Who am I speaking to right now? And at the time I didn't realize that I was what I was dealing with. Um, but I was dealing with somebody who was heavily demonized and who had opened the door to accepting all of that demonic energy in and demonic forces and maybe even legions of demons into her um and she was as after she told me the news i was just saying like who are you things like that and she was just laughing just like laughing like like you know like this i don't know like this just evil laugh and she was and it, it was it's so creepy because she was so exceptionally beautiful I mean, you know, and she was just saying the nastiest things like, did you actually think I was going to get effing stretch marks for you? Did you actually think that I was going to have some little snotty brat running around the house puking on everything? She's like, you actually thought that 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 that, that, that was really going to happen? And I'm like, yes, of course, I thought that was going to happen. I'm like, who are you? I just kept saying, who are you? Where is my fiance? Where where have you gone? Come back to me. Come back to me. I can't. I can't live like this. That's what I said. I said, I can't live like this. And she says, I don't care if you live. I don't care what you do. And I said, this is not my fiance. This is not. I said, I don't know you. I don't know you. Please come back. Wherever you are, come back to me. And she just laughed. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. Did my poor little baby lose his little baby? And she said, boo-hoo, I'm so sorry for you. And she mocked me a lot. Um, and laughed and I just I was and I was just sitting on the floor crying and as she and just in complete shock and disbelief and she turned around and she walked away from me and she walked down the hallway towards the bedroom and as she walked away I heard her say very softly I draw power from his pain and <laughs> when she said that because I, I had never told her that her friend told me what they were chanting. So when she walked away and she said that, it left no doubt in my mind that every all of that was true. And it just hit me like a, not a ton of bricks, it hit me like 12 skyscrapers that everything she just said, when I say she, I mean, you know, everything that I just learned from our friend was true. Yeah. And, and she, and my fiance was actually proud of this and and I couldn't understand it at the time because I was just I was in shock I guess um, I just knew that she wasn't there and I did uh, like her physical body was there 
but that was, wasn't her. I'd never seen anything like that. So I witnessed essentially what I know now to be as now as, as fast forward to now as a saved Christian. And, you know, I know exactly what was going on, you know? Um, but at the time when I was in it, I was just scared. So I, you know, I got my keys and I left, you know, and she said, I don't care. Don't come back. You know, said some nasty things to me and I left, um, to my parents house and i told them what happened and you know they were they were shocked everybody was shocked um but there was no changing it so obviously that was the end of that relationship um, so, so yeah so let's what did she so she essentially wanted to get pregnant to have an abortion is that what they can you can you speak to that yes concept? i can I, yes um so or did your friend tell you about that, or how did how did that come about for you to understand that that concept? It was a she. Okay, so I keep saying she because I'm talking about two women, so I'm going to clarify every time. So sure. So our friend, okay, that introduced us. Um, she was basically, um, I guess, the best word is a whistleblower. Okay. And she was the one who told me about the witchcraft. She was the one who told me that they were branching into Satanism. Um, and there's, there's, there's like a, there's a satanic order that's in action today. Um, I don't really want to give them a plug or whatever, but, um, it's called the womb, womb of Lilith, excuse me, the womb of Lilith. Okay. And and Lilith is, is um, supposed, according to these wacky Satanists, okay. uh, apparently Lilith is the bride of Lucifer, okay, um, of Satan. Um, and so, one of the things that goes on in these satanic situations is they will engage in a basically they will get pregnant on purpose with the on, and the only reason for the pregnancy is to have an abortion. And how do they pick some, how do so, they pick the person to be with? Like, what does that look like from what you well, heard? From the research that I've been able to do, um, it's usually somebody who is uh, a man who is very um, popular, well-liked, um, you know, somebody of influence, somebody that has some, some level of, um, you know, standing in the community, somebody that, um, because the way, the way that they think about it in this sick, twisted, backwards way of thinking sure. is that, well, if the stronger the man is, who is the seed bearer, well, that's what they call it. It's so, it's so clinical and just, you know, premeditated, like, just like a murderer. Um, it's like, it's a premeditated, you know, killing. Mm. Um, and, so anyways, so they were, they don't even refer to the, to the father as a father or anything They call him a seed bearer. Um, and so whatever, which is in their coven, who is going to be the one to be the, you know, the womb for the seed bearer, um, you know, basically, basically they select men on, on whether or not they have any sort of power or influence or popularity. Now, for me, it was more, out of all of those things, it was popularity, because I was in a, in, in a very popular band at the time. 
things were going really well. We always had tons of people at our shows, so on and so forth. Um, and I was, I was well liked. Um, you know, not saying everybody liked me, you know, but but I mean, yeah. you know, I, I was somebody within her social circle, you know, that was that was like, okay, he's an alpha guy, like he's the leader of this band, he's he's popular, he has influence. Let's break him. Let's let's, let's, let, one, let's break him. In that one image, and, and then we'll get powerful. Uh, earlier today, it said something like. The yeah. woman who does this become like her. It becomes like her womb becomes the womb of. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I don't have confirmation that. Um, okay, it's right here. I don't have confirmation that my ex fiance was okay. oh so maybe was what might be a, was in was was in this womb of Lilith cult. Okay. Um, but it was it was like a precursor to that. It was a forerunner to that. I guess you could say. I don't know how long this womb of. Lilith thing has been around, to be honest. Um, but I did come across some of their literature. When when uh, when they were saying we draw we draw power from his pain, power from his pain, and they were, and they, and they were circled around her as the abortion was taking place. Well, in, no, 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 or, um, no, they weren't at the facility. Oh, um, so um, now I don't know. There might have, for all I know, somebody you know she might have been accompanied by by one of her fellow. Uh, you know, witches, oh, yeah, witches. witches, or yeah. Um, so she she may have been accompanied, you know, to the abortion that way. Um, but what I what I found out, like I said, you know, doing research on this was, you know, I ran across this whole cult, this cult, this womb of Lilith cult. So I don't know if she was actually doing that specific, if she was in that specific cult, but I don't really care what cult it was. It's yeah. it's all the same thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. demonic possession and it's a premeditated killing of a child and somebody who's actually willing to get pregnant and let the child grow inside them for several months. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, kill the child or have pay somebody to kill yeah, the child yeah premeditated yeah, abortion. premeditated abortion uh, um or getting pregnant with the getting sole pregnant purpose. yes getting pregnant with the sole purpose i'm sorry i'm, I'm yeah we're both saying the same thing that makes yeah. it, i'm just we're just trying to like um some concepts it's, it's are hard, hard to wrap to, your head around exactly you know? <laughs> and so it's sort of like i don't mean and it, i'm sorry about my nervous laughter oh, that's no. a coping mechanism for me i i, <clears throat> I kind of just chuckle otherwise i'd just be crying through this entire interview yeah no it was just um, like a it's just such a bizarre it, it's one of the one of these stories that um i i, I don't think i've heard uh, about this before and so I, and I think it's important to know that this well it's very exists. real and yeah i'm not i'm not the only man who's been affected by this i mean but based on all the lies it would be really hard lies. for someone to know yeah when it and, and that might you know might have the, the relationship could have had an end and you would have never found out if there oh, wasn't a whistleblower. That's true. That's true. So I, I look at what happened to me, um, as as strange or as crazy as this might sound, is even though it was awful, I know that God wanted wanted me to go through that. So I hesitate to call it a blessing because it wasn't really a blessing, but I needed to see that. Yeah. God knew that I needed to see that, and feel it, and go through it so that I could be a voice to help stop it. Because yeah. if you don't know that the enemy exists, then you don't know how to... How can you protect... How can you fight against an enemy that you 
don't even know exists. Yeah, if if you didn't, if you weren't able to find out the truth, yeah, uh, and the lies weren't exposed, um, I just would have thought she had a miscarriage, and you know, yeah, it it, it seems like more, you know. It, the abortion is being used as a tool to destroy families. Absolutely. Or destroy men. Destroy families. From future family. Or yeah. it's a it's a it's a very destructive evil satanic well mindset. And think about it this way. Okay, so from like I'm I'm no Bible scholar, you know. Um I am a dedicated Christian and um after that experience seeing somebody that I loved so demonized so that she would do something that horrible um, made me um, any any questions or doubts that I had as far as like you know the stories that I was taught growing up about Jesus and God and the Bible and so on and so forth um, any questions that I may have had went out the window as soon as I witnessed that darkness because I was like okay I that was that was a demon like, or maybe many demons i don't you know but that was that my my fiance was possessed and there was and like i was helpless to do anything about it like it would have taken some kind of supernatural power to do something about that yeah and um a friend of mine who's a pastor he actually said to me he says when i, I confided this in him and he said well you need to ask god to help you put some super on your natural <laughs> which which kind of kind of kind of made me chuckle and kind of cheer me up and it's a pretty catchy slogan yeah i like there. that he said you know so so i i said you know i i kind of do that a lot i say you know if i'm in a tough spot i say god can you just put some of your super on my natural and you know and we could you know because i need some supernatural wisdom yeah. to deal with this situation um and so by exposing this kind of thing um i think because the enemy hides in the darkness and the enemy yeah. and earlier you said it's, it's so so destructive well it is and think about it you on one hand you have god god's a creator mm -hmm. and then you have satan who's a destroyer yeah so if you ask someone well which side would you rather be on would you rather be on the side of creation or destruction well, it's, most people are going to say creation. You know, most people, they don't want to be, you know, most people, if you just ask the average person that general question. But if you destroy someone's you know, uh, but if you, life, family, hope, yeah, um, future, we, um, they will fall into a spiral. Yes. And, and, and thankfully, I be destroyed. I was destroyed and I didn't even realize it. Emo I mean, emotionally, yeah. um, psychologically, I was processing, you know, everything kind of okay. I was rationalizing it. And I like to break that into two words, rational lies, but I was kind of lying to myself, you know, mm. a little bit. I was rationalizing it and saying like, okay, well, you know, maybe that wasn't true or maybe I didn't see what I really saw. but. But then I would, you know, immediately counter that thought with another thought. So, which, yeah, that, you know, so I'm going back and forth. In my, so basically now there's a battle going on in my own mind. Yeah. And, and so I was I was broken, you know, in my heart. My heart was broken. And honestly, um, I'm not ashamed to say that my my psyche was even broken. But the way that I dealt with that, um, my coping mechanism was to just dive into 
my work. I big, you know, which again was being a musician. So I booked as many shows as I could. I, I stayed on tour. I even took gigs with other bands, jobs with other bands. Um, I would just, I stayed busy all the time. And if I wasn't busy, I was sleeping. Yeah. And as soon as I would wake up, like I would, I would do something. I would, I would idle time was my enemy because when I had idle, idle time, I couldn't run from those thoughts and from that experience. Yeah. It seems like the devil is using the, ta the tactic, which was, you, you know, masterfully used by the devil, which was to instill false beliefs by creating this narrative of, of love and compassion with someone who didn't love you and was simply no. ruling you or, or and, lying it's... and then using <laughs> and then playing with life, you know, the life of a child as if it is a, a weapon. To that, destroy somebody. That, that's exactly what it was. It was like it was like as soon as I as soon as she saw how wounded I was, it was like she was really like laughing, like she was really smiling, and like whatever demons were inside her, they were enjoying it. Like they were enjoying it. Yeah. You know, and that's really and, hard to so, probably hard to think about or hard to so when she, there. yeah, um, it's but again it was a, it happened it all happened in real time it's not like i knew it was you yeah. know i couldn't prepare for it the phone call came out of nowhere that was shocking enough i wanted to not believe that phone call and then but then when she, you know when my fiance got home it was like yeah you know undeniable so and then today so, you're so all you the have, way fast forward to yeah so, if, <laughs> so today, you know, since that time um, how long has it been since you've seen your fiance? Oh, I haven't seen her since that night. That night? Yes. Okay. Yes, that night. I made arrangements through mutual friends um, to get my things, the few things that I needed. Um, I left a lot of stuff there. Like, I left a lot of musical gear, just things that I could replace. Um, some, a few things that were irreplaceable, you know, family heirlooms and things like that. I, I went in and I got those and I left and I left the key under the mat. Um, I had a mutual friend reach out to her and, you know, um, I mean, it was, it was kind of like getting a divorce really. Um, she, you know, we had basically, I mean, there, there were practical things that had to be dealt with. Like I needed to take my name off the mortgage, okay. things like that, you know, um, because we were over, um, and, so, and she was perfectly fine not yeah. hearing from me because she already knew this was going to be the result. So I don't know if she had done this other times, you know, um, maybe, you know, if she had done, well, if she had done this multiple times yeah. and I, <clears throat> I eventually found out the answer to that question, which was that she has had multiple abortions. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I was going to. And assume that other people in this group would have, you know, yeah. if, if it if it's like a womb of Lilith, they call it, yeah the womb of Lilith, like that concept of and I don't of I, doing I don't like giving them that much press, but but but, 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 but at the same time, yeah, but it's just putting light on something that's dark. Yeah, it, speaking speaking it, it is uh, a way of a, a, you know exposing it, and exposure Absolutely. I think is is good in this case because. People who who fight abortion need to know that this is 
this is another angle and posture that absolutely this is a spiritual war it's not just a political thing and i think regular abortion is also spiritual warfare but this oh, is absolutely like, this is sort of like that's spiritual warfare this too is like the um i want to say like like a higher grade military exercise yeah like, it's, a, it's a, like a yeah it's a i don't, don't want to say a certain military group because i don't want to put any of them in the satanic bus no but this is a very you know the, these guys it, are, this it's is, like it's this like an elite group elite yeah group. it's like That's an, it's like an elite group of of pro aborts you know getting together yeah. and saying okay how can we take abortion and even like make it even worse and more disgusting, more destructive, and, and more destructive. Yeah. And how can we get and squeeze the maximum amount of of energy of, you know, take take that positive energy and turn it into negative energy so that we can live in the negative and be strong and powerful. Yeah. In, you know, in that in that seems know, to be evidence that, of and, who is controlling her. You know, that dark interest. Yeah, I mean, apparently, uh, she, I mean, she had been living this this double life for quite some time because she was very good at it. You know, um, my grandfather, um, who I was very close with for many years, um, he lived in well into his nineties. Um, he was he was a um, psychiatrist and a neurologist, um, and my mother is a licensed clinical therapist, um, and so you know, I was kind of raised. You know with like a lot of understanding of you know kind of like you know analysis of why you know people do certain things in certain social situations and you know all kinds of disorders and so on and so forth um and you know if you really go through the if you use only psychology and things like that and psychiatry really everybody on the planet could be diagnosed with some kind of disorder you know like oh you're fidgeting well you've got some kind of you know you you've got uh generalized fidgeting disorder you know you got you you've got gfd you know, you know and give it a name and you know make up a sure. medication for it and try and sell it to you but um but uh so you know i've got certain issues there um but but the main issue that we're talking about here is is the just literally the battle between god and satan it's, yeah. it's the oldest battle that's ever been and it's yeah. and it's playing out through us who are god's children and the enemy, Satan, what does Satan live to do? Try to destroy God, try to anger God, try to hurt God in any way he can. Yeah, hurting and he, God's and he's, children. Hurting. Yes, and he's jealous. Lucifer's jealous of us because God chose us and kicked him out. You know what I mean? So what's the best way for somebody who is thinking of Satan as their God? You know, to like, I guess, be, you know, it sounds weird to say this, but to be like the best Satanist you can be would be, I guess, to have something to to do one to of these. To destroy people. Yeah, to do one of these actual, yeah, to actually destroy life. Um, mm. and, and right now, you know, you can't just walk around like killing people because you'll get arrested. But you can have an abortion and it's perfectly legal. Yeah, through manipulation, through lies. Yeah, it's uh, through creating life and then destroying it, yeah. and then lying to someone, and then, and what was she saying against about your pain? They pull. She said, "We we draw." The chant that they were chanting was, "We draw power from his pain." Okay. And when she walked away from me at after you know when I was on the floor crying like right before I left, the last thing she said as she was walking away was. I draw power from his pain and she's like like she was chanting it to herself like she was like reminding herself and 
and I was I was laying there in pain, broken. And I don't know, maybe she got some kind of weird, you know, adrenaline rush, and you know, I don't know, like what she was feeling. Yeah. Um, all I know is, only, the only thing I can testify about is how I was feeling, um, and it was just, it was broken, you know. Yeah. And 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 then this that podcast, put me on a long path to healing, you yeah. know. And to be honest, like no matter how much people heal, and I believe there are so many great healing, you know, organizations and networks out there. And by by finding God in that because that situation, the only thing good that came out of that was it it put me on a path to Jesus. It put me on a path to truly accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and truly understanding what he did and knowing that my little girl was with Jesus. That's what helped and it took me a long time um, to actually get baptized. I wasn't baptized until, in, until 2011, and this happened in 2005. But I immediately started going to church. I immediately started, you know, seeking the Lord because I knew that now, now I knew that demons were real. And this witchcraft stuff that you see on TV and frilly little shows like Charmed and stuff like that, where they make it seem like, oh, witchcraft is good and it's fun and you can just be a good witch. You don't have to be a bad witch. You know, it's all it's all seduction, you know, to to eventually lead down that path, you know, for those lost souls that end up. Yeah. There. And, and I think in this podcast, it'd be so if someone, let's say a pregnancy clinic director. Yes. A pregnancy experiences clinic. someone who um, is experiencing possession and then. And she may, and that may not be the case because this person wanted the abortion and wasn't looking for help. Sure. But let's say a pregnancy clinic director does experience this, and I don't. Yeah. There probably are stories, and I just don't know them. Yeah, this happening, and but they probably don't talk about it because it's it, it's not you know society would is not accepting of it. That's why. So if, if there's an abortion determined woman that they're experiencing. They, yes. they might experience it in her, maybe more so than abortion-minded. Right. If it's abortion-determined. Determined, yeah. It might, it might be a spiritual... It, it could be in this ballpark of options of why they might be determined more so than just minded. Yeah, that's true. Um, and and I may, we may not be able to provide the solution or answer, but I believe from my understanding is if your fiance would put herself under the authority of a church body, the pastors of that church yes. would have um, a better chance yes. at praying and laying hands on her and, and, and telling the demons to come out of her in Jesus' name. Yes, deliverance. Um, she needs and, and or, or maybe, you know, and, and addressing them in Jesus' name um, possibly under this, but the hard part about that whole concept is someone in that position who is being um, terrorized or possessed yeah. is not going to put themselves under the authority of a church leadership. Exactly. However, um, and so I think I think in the end that might be a future podcast. Maybe I need to I need well, to have a spiritual leader address. Well, what what are the um, you know what's it look like to to help someone as Jesus did in the Bible when it right. comes to someone who is possessed. Um, like there's the story of the legion inside, you know, the person who was possessed and then the legion went into 3,000 pigs. Right. And then they 
proceeded to go off a cliff and fall yeah. into the water and drown. And and then I recently yeah. heard that pigs can swim. Yeah. They yeah. may not be able to fly. Yeah. They, can <laughs> they can't swim, but they can. Yeah, they, 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 they can't fly, but they can swim. They can swim. Yeah. I, I, don't, maybe I, I didn't pigs, know that about pigs. Maybe possessed pigs can't swim. <laughs> they, I don't know. But the fact that they drowned, and there are 3,000, 3, which makes me think. It's like 3,000 demons. And legions of way of saying a large number it's, yeah, it's like, like a, a like a battalion actually the I mean, word legion it's might kind of be hard a, to stay away from military it's like a roman a roman legion i think is three thousand yeah. to five thousand um military roman soldiers i believe maybe yeah and then, I'm not and sure. in the bible though there were three thousand pigs like right i mean that makes sense it, it's sort of it's hard to fathom how three thousand pigs were possessed like that's yeah. that's a lot of pigs like that's a lot of pigs that's a lot yeah. and for them to, like that that's just sort of in, that that's a that's a lot of noise a lot oh, of volume good lord yeah <laughs> um i mean three thousand uh entities going against yeah. a single person it's it, it's it's very um but then the but, but God it, it, outweighs it, it, all those. Oh, God outweighs. It. Um, and I think that one of one of the only ways that we're going to be able to combat this on a on a spiritual warf- warfare level is to we we need the churches to rise up. We need we need the faithful people to talk about this. You know, um, I know so many people that attend church and some of them go to giant churches like really really big churches um and like mega churches and i asked them well does your pastor ever talk about abortion they're like no you know and i went to a church that wouldn't talk about that and um you know i just i had to end up leaving that church yeah um so i don't think churches talk about um demonic influence either well yeah that seems to be one of those topics that's It's also one of those things that's like, it's, it's starting to become taboo. I, mean, I shouldn't say like, never, but I mean, I feel like it's one of those topics. I mean, for the amount of times Jesus It's uncomfortable to talk about. So it's it one of those things that like pastors don't want to make their, their you know, their flock feels, feel, feel uncomfortable feels on, science on Sundays or and stuff like that. But, it, yeah. but, but Jesus addressed several people who were, were possessed. Absolutely. And, and it's yeah. one of the... You know, one one of the places where he provided healing. He didn't just provide healing for the sick, or for the or or healing people from death back to life, or the blind to see. He also healed those who were possessed. Possessed, yeah. To being free from those that that possession, yeah, that ownership um, by a demonic force. There was um, there's a there's a series that's out um, that I'm, I think you've heard of. It's called The Chosen. Oh yeah, um, where and it's a it's you know kind of kind of a modern I guess a modern take on on the Bible sure you know um, and and you know I guess it's it's a very cool series I guess you know because the way that it addresses you know the certain characters and kind of like this sh- kind of shows like a behind the scenes like the way that Jesus would interact you know and I guess there's a certain amount of artistic license but you have to imagine that like if they were all together like they would sit around and kind of like they're not just going to be serious all the time they're going to crack jokes yeah they're you know? people yeah they're people you know <laughs> one guy's going to be nervous yeah. another guy's going to be you know uh calm one guy might have OCD you know one guy you know so on and so forth but and, then, um, and but also like a, uh, Nicodemus yeah. Where he went to go try and like when he uh, went to go, pull, yes you know, to um, in that scene yeah he tried to he tried he tried to remove cast the demon cast out the demon and, out. The, and the demon's like who are you yeah and 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 I think in that scenario 
maybe he should have used Jesus's name yeah, or maybe but, that woman should have been under his authority and using Jesus's name. Yeah. Well, I, I'm and not Nic sure. Nicodemus hadn't really quite understood what who Jesus was yet. He was still skeptical but, I mean, at that but point. Trying to pull from that story yeah, based but, on today. But if he, yeah, if you, yeah. you know, so he was unsuccessful at at you know helping helping that that woman who was possessed. But then Jesus encountered her what a couple episodes later in that series and just kind of touched her and said I think her name was Lilith actually um, in the series and then she went from being known as Lilith to being Jesus said your name is Mary oh I did not know that that's yeah. interesting um, and so so and yeah there's another powerful scene in that in that series where there was a man wandering in the woods and he was he was demon possessed and he was actually attacking um, I think Simon um, and Jesus was very tired because he had, he had been off talking and you know working miracles and doing what Jesus did. And yeah. when he got back, he saw what was there was a confrontation and he knew immediately 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 what was going on and he just said be gone. And and the demon was gone. The guy was 100% yeah. okay. Like instant, but but he's Jesus. You know, we're talking about the, live, the living God. You know what I'm saying? So um since I'm not Jesus and you're not Jesus and nobody is, um, we pray to him just like these Satanists pray to yeah. what they pray to. Um, and I, I have faith and I believe that when all is said and done, the final victory is, is going to be God's, you know, it's just, yeah. there's, I mean, I can't think any other way. I mean, I know that truth. Yeah. Well, and, and as like a, 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 a summary of what we've been considering here, mm -hmm. people, some people need healing from a past abortion. Sure. Some people need healing from abuse. Absolutely. Um, maybe through their childhood, maybe more recent or both, probably both. Oh, the statistics are really high as far as like, you know, like women that have abortions. Um, a lot of times there's abuse in their history and so on. And some and, people need healing from their own sin. Yeah. You know, that's of true. the, um, the story of the the Good Samaritan. Sometimes <laughs> we're you know sometimes we're the person who abuses somebody else. Yeah. And, sometimes and we're the ones that walk past and don't pay and don't pay any attention. We have a busy but, out a calendar full of things to do. Oh yeah, and we've got these phones, got all these devices and phones, and I got to be here at this time yeah. and here. And this sometimes time. we're the one bleeding you know? who needs help, and we yeah. don't get to pick who's going to help us. We might you know the person that's the Good Samaritan was the undesired person to help. <laughs> yeah, and, but yeah, yeah, like the last person you'd want to help, but they... But in yeah. the end, I think what, what's true is that everyone needs healing in some way, whether it's from sin, abortion, whether it's from being possessed demonically, which is a... A whole other... Yeah, it's a, that's a, it's a, another a, level. <laughs> it's, it's, it's less commonly understood, probably because it's often hid with it's lies. Just, it's, just, it's just something that, like I said, it's, or, it's an uncomfortable yeah, topic. Some people need healing from physical ailments. Some people yeah. need healing from uh, a stripe in their family. But in the end, what's, what's the common element, though, is healing is needed and desired. Absolutely. And I think that's where we can, we can pull you know, a really beautiful thought is that offering people healing is good and trying to help them find healing is good. Yeah. But it's also, if there's no easy road to, to sort of yeah. help someone there, it's, it's the straight and narrow. It's the hard, to, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to it uh, obtain. Well, and on that note, 
Um, of our own power, but Je- but Jesus is the only way. That, yeah, to uh, uh, yeah, Jesus to is the only way to fully heal. Yes. Um, and I mean, I'm still healing now, you know, and and I'm at a point where I'm far enough removed from it to where I can look at it objectively and I can now help yeah. others, um, but not to, you know, go overboard plugging the you know my ministry, but. Expecting fathers without voices, if 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 the fathers of all of you, every child who's ever been aborted, if the father had to be consulted and give his consent to this procedure for this procedure to happen, yeah. the number of abortions would be far less than where it is now. Yeah, so if um, the father would say the, the abortion industry would have us. I believe, don't want you to have an abortion. But, yeah. I want to support you in making the decision you're going to enjoy for decades. Right. Um, by being as we're parents. Right. And I want we want to be and I would like to be a I want to be a dad of right. a living child. Yes. Or it's saying something along those lines yes. more so than saying I'll support you in whatever choice. You Don't make. use the word choice. The choice, choice is, is the worst like word you can use. Choice. If you have an abortion, I'll support you. You're exchanging the word child for choice. So is it a choice or is it a child? It's yeah. a very simple question. But that word. You know, like, <laughs> So when someone says, "I support you whatever choice you make," um, but it's up to you because yeah, it's up to you. As a man, I have no uterus, therefore I shouldn't. Therefore, I don't have any accountability either. So these men walk around thinking, like, because we have no rights, we also have no accountability. If if we had rights, we would have. There would be certain things that that men would have to do. You know, um, it's not. It you know so. One of the ways that I think that we can combat this um, is actually through legislation, through the, through the, the the legal system. That's how we got in this mess was this Roe v. Wade thing that happened, you know, in 1973. So um, even if that's overturned, it's going to get we know everything. Back to the states. Yeah, everything gets kicked back to the states. So yeah. you know, here in Florida, what we're trying to do, you know, what I'm not going to say what we're trying to do. What we are doing. Um, it's just taking us a little while, is we, are, we will be introducing legislation um, that we hope with a governor like Ron DeSantis, you know, um, it, if, it, if we can get it to, through the initial procedures to his desk, I think he would understand this and probably sign off on it. Um, because when I'm talking about um, equal parental rights from conception until birth, I'm saying it would be illegal for anyone to provide an abortion to a woman that didn't have the consent of the father. Unless it would, obviously, I guess, you know, um, you know, in issues of rape and things like that, you know, I guess women could, they could lie, they could go in and say, well, I don't have the consent of the father because I was raped, you know, um, and things, you know, because sometimes there's loopholes like that. But again, um, well, I guess what you you're know, trying to say but, but is, that the, is I, that the it's not just her pregnancy. This is also his. It's his pregnancy just as much as it it's, is hers. It, yeah, this is, this is you know, this she is carries the, the child, but it's also his. Chi- she's carrying his child, so it's yeah. like and it's her child too. It's both of their child it's, equally. It, it, so why does only one parent have the decision-making power to end a pregnancy, and the other parent is totally 
you know, shut down, muted, silenced, and even aggressively, you know, shouted down and yelled at in silence in a very aggressive way from this, you know, uh, left-wing culture that, you know, we've been evolving or not or devolving into. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's really um, what kind of the issue I think we need to look at on a practical level. Now, on a spiritual level, like I said, I think it's going to take really a massive movement it's going to take a revival of faith and of people standing up and not just going to church because it's what you do on sunday but going to church to really understand the word of god and to really live a godly life um you know and right now even people that do that even people that get married like there was there was you know the enemy can still kind of worm his way in there you know there was a couple that um i was consulting with where they were married and they were, they had two children and they were happy and they found out they were pregnant with a third. And, um, the man's wife said, you know, I just, I don't want to go through it all again. You know, I just, you know, we've already got two children and we're so busy and, you know, I just, I can't imagine having a child now. And, you know, and so this man called up and he said, Hey, um, I'm, kind of like every night I'm going through hostage negotiations. That's what he called it, hostage ne negotiations with my wife. Um, and that that really hit me hard because I was like, I mean, I knew, but hearing a guy say that, it was just like, wow, even when you're married, like you have no, as a man, just simply because of your sex, you have no rights at all in, and you can't protect your child, which is what we're hardwired to do. Yeah. We are hardwired to protect our children and to protect the mother of our children. We are hardwired to do that. Like if you're, if you're, you know, wife or your girlfriend is pregnant and, you know, and she's about, and you see a car coming, you're going to push her out of the way. I mean, you're going to probably do that anyways, if you're a decent guy, but especially if she's pregnant, you know what I mean? A whole different thing happens. Um, we know now, um, that when, when a man knows that he's going to be a father, that his, his estrogen levels go up, um, all kinds of things happen within his own, with his, with own, within his body chemistry to allow him to be hmm. accepting and nurturing, and basically, um, to prepare him for what is coming. So when that child is born and, and those levels have been reported to have, to stay high through, you know, um, like sometimes the first year or two years of that child's life, you know? Um, so there's, there's a very profound effect that we can scientifically actually point to. Um, so that way nay naysayers of, of faith can say, you know, we can say, okay, well, you don't want to believe that. Well, here's, here's this, well, you know, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. We, we have it's, to it's go, amazing. We have to go get a, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole we have to go get a citation to add so we can <laughs> yeah, back true. up our medical claim in the podcast. <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, well, one of the things wonder, that can't... Wonder if Mayo, if Mayo Clinic have a page about that? <laughs> well, um, one of the things that came out when I was in, when I was in um, counseling okay. um, was, and I sought, I sought pastoral counseling and I sought traditional counseling. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that came up during my traditional counseling, um, I was speaking to a psychiatrist and he wanted to, you know, put me on, you know, antidepressants. And I'm like, I'm not depressed. And he's like, I'm, 
I'm anxious. He's like, well, here's anti-anxiety medications. And like, I'm not, you know, I tried that for a little while. It wasn't really gonna, it, was, it doesn't do anything. It's a band-aid. So I was, you know, I went back and I said, look, I don't really like how I feel on these things. It's, it's just, this isn't good for me. Um, and he said, well, you know, we gotta do something to help you. And I said, well, you're a psychiatrist. Like, tell me something. Don't just write me a prescription for something. And so he shifted me to one of his colleagues who was a female um, psychiatrist. And she proceeded to inform me that um, the helplessness that a, excuse me, the helplessness that an expectant father feels when he knows that she is seeking an abortion, he knows that she wants an abortion, um, and he's asked her not to not do it and she's like no this is my body it's my choice i'm gonna you know this you don't have any say no no uterus no opinion that when you know when you encounter that mindset the men who the levels of helplessness that they that they feel um she said are very very similar almost on the same page with rape victims mm. um and I, and she, she said it's a certain it's a certain form of PTSD because you know it's very it's very similar to rape it's a violation you, you've been it's like you know that something terrible and awful is happening it's happening to you and your child and the woman you love or at least the woman that you got pregnant you know um, and you can't do anything to stop it kind of like if somebody was being raped, they're in it, they know what's going on, but they can't stop it. And then society mirrors the same things that a rapist would say to his victim. They, or they say, basically, you're a man. You have no say, just shut up and take it. That's the same thing that a rapist would say to a woman. Mm. Shut up and take it. You have no power here. Because mm -hmm. rape's, rape's about a big power trip. It's not about the actual sex, it's about power. Um, and so the men who have pleaded and gone through those hostage negotiations with their, with their, you know, respective other, whether it's their wife or their girlfriend and, and been denied the, been denied fatherhood. And they know that she's going to go into this room and she's going to pay this guy. And, and she's even, maybe even going to ask me to pay for it. She's going to pay this guy to kill our child hmm. and then walk out and like and i can't do anything about it yeah and so that that event will you know affect a man for his the rest of his whole life i'm not saying that his, his life's ruined or it's over you know um but when she pointed that out to me i, I just i thought wow i never looked at it like that before yeah I never you know that. that's i never i never i never put those two things I would, I would have never thought to put those two things side by side but the way she explained it I was like, she's like, look, you're suffering from PTSD, you know, and it's the, and it's very similar. What I'm seeing in you is almost identical to what I see in women that I've counseled that have been raped and even men that have been raped that mm. were in prison, um, or men that were molested, you know? Yeah. So, um, but anyways, so she, she was the one who drew that analogy and I thought, wow, I get, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, you know, um, it's kind of controversial when you say that, I guess, because um, maybe a rape victim might take exception to that. But at the same time, 
you know. Um, it's just it's just one of those again. I mean, look at what we're talking about. We're talking about Satanism. We're talking about witchcraft, abortion, rape. All of these. These are all. Every every single word I just said is a word that most people don't ever want to talk about. It's yeah. very uncomfortable. Yeah, and I, so we need we just need to get more comfortable talking about these uncomfortable things. Yeah, you know, because think, we can't just pretend that the evil doesn't exist because it does. It's there. Yeah, and I, and I think a good way to start talking about it is the is is well praying. Oh, for, absolutely. Well, prayer is essential. For, pray, yeah, essentially praying for what we need. To be able to identify and praying for God's direction and praying for God's um, wisdom, His His uh, protection, his, absolutely, his, our ability to to help these people, women and men yeah. who are yeah. um, mm -hmm. being being uh, attacked or or influenced or or possessed or chased, whatever the case might sure. be. Um, so that might be a really good way for us to wrap up this podcast. Hmm. Uh, would you mind, yeah, taking this, yeah, this this time at the end and praying for praying for um, for those who are listening to be able to uh, for God to for God to lead them and for for God to um, direct them on how to help women in these hard cases that are hard to spot and difficult to. Um, to address. I don't mind at all. Okay. okay. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you now as a faithful and humble servant of yours to please, please show out. Show out in, in the people's lives that need it. Just one, one small touch of your grace can change so much and father i know that you know this already and i know that i've asked you this so many times but i'm just going to ask you to continue to reach out and bring bring wisdom bring bring forethought bring grace to the men and women that would even consider the the concept of ending pregnancy of ending the life of their own child um, we know from the Old Testament that you tested um, oh gosh I just <laughs> let me, let me sorry. jump in yeah sorry God I, we, we we thank you for for Elliot and for 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 him finding the truth and for and for your for you to, you know, for your, for your fingerprints um, in directing him to create a ministry in response to the pain that he's experienced with a desire to help other men uh, escape and avoid this pain, and for families to avoid this crippling, the uh, the, the damage that uh, abortion can can cause to to a uh, to a couple or to or to a family. Uh, Lord, we just pray for those who are listening to to be able to to be able to har to help the hard cases. That, yes. To help abortion yes. determine women who are not just looking at it as convenience, but to also be able to help women who are looking at abortion as 
that's what they want to do. They're not even, you know, it's just like they're it, it, essentially it's, it's, it feels demonic when they're, when they're at the level of, I am determined to have an abortion because that's what, you know, as if that's where I wanted to go um, yes. as an evil direction and destination. So Lord, we, we, pray, we pray that you pray will that you just smite the enemy. We pray that you will, will help mm-hmm. executive directors and volunteers be, be covered in prayer that we will all be reminded to pray regularly, daily, and that we will we will um, use your name when fighting the enemy. And we will yes. say things like, "Yes, uh, Jesus, we pray that you take this demon yes. and that this demon will go to your feet and wait for redirection." Yes, uh, yes. Jesus, we pray that you will, you know, help you know help and help us help give us the words when when saying things and the way we say things does matter and fighting. And fighting these battles that are that are um, hard and difficult and scary, but we, we lean on you and we give you um, these circumstances and these hard cases, and we, we look for your direction on on what you would have us do. Absolutely. And we put yes. we put ourselves um, under your authority, Jesus, and we we are looking for your help because your your name has power. Our names don't have power and and in these situations this is really important to consider so we pray all of this in your name jesus absolutely um and we just thank you for helping us navigate this topic and and we pray that you'll give us you give us all um more direction and more help as this is um something that is uh that is deep and there's a lot of questions and thoughts to consider we pray all this in your name jesus absolutely amen amen
To make a better world 